April is called the month of great enlightenment in Wang Buddhism, celebrating the founding master Sutesan's attaining great enlightenment in April 1916. What I hope for today is for us to awaken to the truth of the one that he awakened to, no pressure, even just little by little. And to think about how we can actually practice based on the truth. Then what is the truth of Ilwan? In the doctrinal chart it says, Ilwan is the original source of all things in the universe, the mind seal of all the Buddhas and sages, and the original nature of all sentient beings. And in passage 7 in chapter 2 doctrine, it says, The truth of Ilwan is epitomized by voidness, completeness, and rightness. It means that the original source of all things in the universe and our original nature is void, complete, and right by its nature. Then, what does it mean by the truth of Ilwan is void, complete, and right by its nature? And the practice in one Buddhism is to model ourselves on such truth, to know, to nurture, and to use our minds, which are like even some. How then can we actually practice based on such truth? The passage 7 in chapter 2 doctrine addresses these very questions. With regard to nourishing one's nature, voidness means to contemplate the realm that transcends being and non-being. Completeness means that state of mind in which thoughts neither come nor go. Rightness means that the mind remains impartial. I know, what does this mean? <laughs> it may sound difficult, but don't give up just yet. Learning about this passage and trying to practice it in my everyday life help me become free from these wild disturbances in my mind in many situations. So I'm hoping that after this Dharma talk, you find it much easier and most importantly, find it applicable to your daily practice. Let's start with voidness. With regard to nourishing one's nature, voidness means to contemplate the realm that transcends being and non-being. So what would be the actual practice of nourishing the void nature? One way of practicing nourishing one's nature, cultivating the spirit, is seated meditation. You probably have experienced during meditation that when all thoughts disappear, 
there is only this void and calm, luminous awareness. Have you? I, I bet you have. It is, it is the realm of mind that transcends being and non-being. So to contemplate the realm that transcends being and non-being could mean contemplating that realm, illuminating, illuminating the realm of mind that transcends being and non-being. However, is seated meditation the only time we can cultivate the spirit? No. Actually, when Buddhism emphasizes practice in both action and rest, then how can you practice nourishing the void nature, contemplating the realm that transcends being and non-being when we are in action? Voidness doesn't mean that the nature does not contain anything in it. Voidness means, for example, that empty space holds everything within. Right and wrong, good and bad, defiled and pure, everything just as it is. Empty space doesn't cling to some things and have aversion towards the other things. It has no attachment towards anything. Regardless of whether it is a good person or a bad person, a beautiful person, or an ugly person, it gives back the exact result of what each person planted without being attached to goodness or badness, beauty or ugliness. It is completely void of such attachments. It transcends existence and non-existence of goodness or beauty. Our nature is originally void in the very same way. Our original nature is just like empty space. But as we grow up, we begin to form attachment towards the presence or absence of things. Almost all our sufferings come from this very problem. We are happy when something or someone exists and unhappy when it does not exist. It can be anything, money, fame, recognition from others, or personalities that one wants to have. I often experience suffering when I find what someone is doing is simply wrong. I often caught up in the idea like, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong. And I sometimes feel quite disturbed by the situation. I don't suffer because of the other person. That suffering comes from my own attachment to the presence or absence of what I think is right 
in the other person. But when I let go of the attachment, the, the aversion to the absence of what I think is right. In other words, when I restore the realm of mind that transcends being and non-being, like empty space, surprisingly enough, I can see the reason behind the person's wrongdoing and the history the person had to go through, all of which I could not see when I was only feeling disturbed by that situation. And I can also see what is right and wrong, but this time without any attachment, with no aversion. Whenever I feel disturbed, uncomfortable, annoyed, or anxious, in other words, when I'm in suffering, if I reflect back on my mind and see whether there is an attachment to being and non-being of something, I, I always find one. The practice of nourishing void nature, the practice of contemplating the realm that transcends being and non-being, would be to discover the attachment to being and non-being as soon as we can, and if possible, at that moment it is about to form in our mind, and to let go of the attachment, and to guard the realm of mind that transcends being and non-being. Now let's move on to completeness. With regard to nourishing one's nature, completeness means that state of mind in which thoughts neither come nor go. What does this mean? Completeness means clear and round, bright wisdom. The truth, the original source of all things in the universe, is void but complete at the same time. It has clear and round bright consciousness. When we plant crops, if we put great effort into it, there will be a large harvest. If we put little effort into it, there will only be a small harvest. Without the slightest confusion, doesn't the truth respond by clearly distinguishing the difference in our effort. The truth, the universal consciousness, is clear and round, bright, without any obstructions. In the same way, our original nature has clear and round, bright wisdom. That's what completeness of our nature means. In its original state, in a sound, complete state, our spirit is clear and bright. We can see everything clearly. The great and small, being and non-being of the situation I'm in, and the right and wrong, benefit and harm 
in that situation without any obstructions. However, we sometimes lose the completeness of our nature, the clear and bright state of mind with which we can see all principles and human affairs clearly. When does that happen? That happens when our minds become enticed by certain things, when thoughts come and go. Let me explain what it means by thoughts coming and go. For example, when you're practicing sitting meditation, your thought goes to certain things, to the things that you're attached to, even slightly, right? It's not just me, right? <laughs> when you notice that you are distracted, you try to bring your attention back, but after a while, your thought goes out again, then you bring your attention back again, and so on. On the other hand, sometimes some external things come to your mind as well. For example, when someone makes a a loud noise during meditation, that sensory condition comes to my mind and I think about it. Thoughts coming and going happens when we are in action as well. There are so many examples of this. When I'm parking a car, if my thought goes only to this one side, I get the car scratched on the other side. When I'm in an argument, if my thoughts go only to the idea that the other person is wrong, I cannot see the background of the situation, the history of the person that relates to the wrongdoing, or the other person's feelings. When I'm attached to only one of my tasks I need to do, in other words, if my thoughts go only to that task, or when a different task comes to attention and I just do it because it's what caught my attention. I cannot see the whole range of tasks, including a much more important one that I should be doing at the moment. As such, when thoughts come and go, in other words, when our minds are becoming enticed by or attached to certain things, we lose the completeness of our nature. The clear and round, bright state of mind with which we can clearly see everything, the great and small being and non-being of the situation we are in, and the right and wrong benefit and harm in the situation. So the practice of nourishing the complete nature, the practice of guarding the state of mind in which thoughts neither come nor go, would be to examine our mind and see if the thoughts are coming and going. In other words, to see if our minds are enticed by anything and be aware of that single thought that is free of coming and going. When we are practicing chanting meditation or sitting meditation, we are simply aware 
of this single thought, this state that is free of coming and going. When we are in action, what should we do? In responding to any matter, we should be aware of whether thoughts are coming and going, whether we are enticed by anything. When our mind is in that state in which thoughts neither come nor go, not being enticed by anything, the clear and round, bright wisdom of the nature will appear. You may wonder, aren't nourishing voidness and completeness quite similar? Nourishing voidness means to let go of that attachment to being and non-being and to guard the realm of mind that transcends being and non-being. Nourishing completeness means not to be enticed by anything, guarding that state of mind in which thoughts neither come nor go. Aren't they similar things? Yes, you are right. Voidness, completeness, and rightness are not three separate things. They are only different aspects of the same truth of ill one. It is only when it is void that it can be complete. And it is only when it is void and thereby complete that it can be right. That leads us to the last one, rightness. With regard to nourishing one's nature, Rightness means that the mind remains impartial. I think this one is quite straightforward. The practice of nourishing the right nature would mean to remain impartial towards everything, right and wrong, good and evil, defiled and pure, action and rest, etc. And not to be swayed by selfishness. As you can see now, it's not separate from nourishing voidness and completeness. They are all interrelated. I hope you are now finding this material a little easier and applicable to your daily practice. Although we couldn't cover all nine cells in the table, I think what we address today will help you understand the seeing the nature and commanding the nature parts as well. I read this short line, which basically means practicing the threefold study based on the truth of one is the way that can save all sentient beings. This passage has been one of the most difficult pass- passages for me to understand. But learning what it means, a little by a little, and putting it into my own practice certainly saved me from my suffering. Although not completely. Of course, it's still work in progress. But I think it is very in-depth psychology that can save ourselves and others from suffering. It gives me so much hope 
That's why I wanted to share this with you today. Thank you.